0: And now reading the Pentecost story from Acts chapter 2. I'll read verses 1 through 8, and then skip and just read verses 4 through 17. And this today from the Inclusive Bible. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they all met in one room. Suddenly, they heard what sounded like a violent rushing wind from heaven. The noise filled the entire house in which they were sitting. Something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each one. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as she enabled them. Now there were devout people living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven, and at this sound they all assembled but they were beli- bewildered, rather, to hear their native languages being spoken. They were amazed and astonished. Surely all of these people speaking are Galileans. How does it happen that each of us hears these words in our native tongue? Then Peter stood up with the eleven and dressed the crowd. Women and men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, listen to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you think. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, it's what Joel the prophet spoke of. In the days to come, it is our God who speaks. I will pour out my Spirit on all humankind. Your daughters and sons will prophesy, your young people will see visions, and your elders will dream dreams. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. When you make the effort to speak someone else's language, even if it's just basic phrases here and there, you are saying to them, I see you as a human being. Those words are from the memoir, Born a Crime, Stories from a South African Childhood, written by comedian and host of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah. There are 11 official languages in the nation of South Africa, and Noah talked a lot In his book about the challenges and gifts of language in his childhood growing up as a biracial boy in the days of apartheid. At home, the Noah family spoke Kausa, a native South African tongue. When it came time to pray, though, they always prayed in English. Trevor's grandmother asked him to pray because his English was the best. The Bible is in English, she told him, so English prayers get answered first. Now that line is a little funny, and Trevor Noah is a comedian after all, but I can imagine how his grandmother came to that conclusion even if no one ever explicitly said it. She first heard the Bible, probably read in English. She saw white English-speaking people in their comfortable lives without the curfew or travel restrictions that she and other black South Africans faced. She prayed, certainly, but God must have been busy answering English prayers first. Of course, we know that the Bible was not written in English. We know that intellectually, but I can't help but worry about whether we, whether I, have carried on the hurtful assumptions at times that were taught to Trevor Noah's grandmother. Are we still making the same mistakes as James and John, imagining English speakers at the right and left hands of Jesus? Have we been saying, God bless America for so long that we've forgotten that God blesses other nations as well? Deep down, do we think our prayers are answered first or probably much closer to home? Do we behave as though we are the center of every other nation's universe? Do we behave as though our faith is more important or more valid because we are Christians than other faiths? Is our passion a spirit-filled passion for the love of us and those like us? Or is the driving force, the very passion at the center of our lives a reasonable passion, one inspired by the spirit of love and justice that seeks to live in mutuality with others, no matter which side of a border they live on, or what language they speak, or what differences we may have. God must have thought of those questions before the church even came to be. Actually, I have often wondered if the whole universe saw our pride and limited world view and saw this drama coming along long before any of us could have ever imagined it. I'm speaking about the drama that first happened on the first Pentecost Sunday. The apostles are gathered in a house, praying and waiting for God to make the next move. A violent wind fills the house, a wind that to those in the story is unmistakably God. The Spirit moves them outside the house to preach of God's power, and a crowd gathers, Jewish folks from every nation. I almost imagine it's like a scene from Trevor Noah's book, a street full of people speaking 11 languages. And when the apostles start speaking, everyone hears the words, all at the same time, all in their own native tongues. On that first Pentecost day, the Spirit could have come with any miracle under the sun, the apostles could have been miraculously healed of their ailments, or lifted off the ground, or given a power that any superhero would envy. But instead, the Spirit gives them the gift of communication across the language barriers. If those first apostles found themselves tempted to think that God answered their prayers first, the Spirit burst on the scene and blew their assumptions out of the water. God will pour out the Spirit, as the scriptures say, on all people, young and old, slave and free, that all will prophesy and dream dreams, and all will be saved. I guess that's the biggest difference between what the Spirit wants and what human beings typically want. The thing about the Holy Spirit She does not have patience for the structures of our world. She does not care who holds the cards, who has allies in powerful places. She doesn't care who signs the paychecks or who lives paycheck to paycheck. The Spirit is a sort of leveling power. And the wind of the Spirit blows wherever she chooses. But not coincidentally, I have found always where the lowly need lifting, and she always blow where the haughty need humbling. Seems pretty, I don't know, reasonable, wouldn't you say, in light of who God is, doesn't it? When you make the effort to speak someone else's language, Trevor Noah wrote, you are saying to them, I see you as a human being. The miracle of the Spirit on the first Pentecost was to let us hear and therefore see each other. The miracle of Pentecost was to bless our diversity and solidify our unity as one global church, born of the Holy Spirit the first Pentecost day. This is the good news of the Pentecost story. The Spirit understands all our prayers, all our hopes and dreams, all our desperations. The miracle is actually when we understand each other. In case anyone ever comes back to listen to this sermon down the road, in case this recording winds up in a digital time capsule someday, I want to be really clear about the context in which I'm preaching and and we're participating in this service today. Uh, The year is 2021. It has been a solid year and a few months since the word COVID became a part of our daily vocabulary. With much gratitude, both to God and to science, and with vaccine in my arm, I think I can say now that we are on the tail end of this global pandemic. I hope. We say those words so often now. Have you noticed? Global pandemic. They just roll off the tongue. But as Christian people whose God speaks every language, we can't just breeze past the word global. Over the past year and a half, COVID has touched literally every corner of this planet and nearly every life upon it in one way or another. If we ever tried to to deny how truly connected our world is, this pandemic has shattered any argument we might have ever made. COVID went places not even connected by the Internet, you know, that we call the World Wide Web. We have shared a common human experience this year, one of grief and fear, and yet also of hope and gratitude. We learned once more that we have to protect one another. That my health depends on your health. Your well-being on mine. We wouldn't choose to go through this pandemic again for any reason. But that does not mean we did not learn some important things along the way, despite the death, the pain, and the suffering. We learned just how connected we truly are. In fact, we were never that far apart in the first place. Maybe that's what Pentecost was meant to show us, too. Over the last year, a tiny little virus made its way across the globe and is still leaving destruction in its path, particularly in parts of the world that do not have easy access to the vaccines. That virus was able to touch every corner of the world because we are so incredibly connected The reality of our connectedness will remain even after the outbreak of the virus has long been over. But what if we used that incredible connection we share for something actually incredible? Imagine if we spread something besides a virus across and all around the world in the next year instead of damage and illness and heartbreak. Imagine if we committed ourselves to spreading something other than germs and entrenched patterns of behavior that divide us, and instead we fully committed to following the Holy Spirit wherever the wind of the Spirit may blow. Imagine if we channeled all the energy we had to put into curbing this terrible pandemic, into growing something truly Wonderful and life-giving. Imagine if we listened to each other, if we had compassion for each other. Imagine if we remembered that what affects you affects me. Imagine if we worked as hard on this, spreading empathy, compassion, as we did curbing the virus. Imagine if I recommitted myself and you yourself to truly seeking to understand one another, not just those like us, but every single other. Could compassion, could empathy spread as quickly? I I actually think so. Empathy is highly contagious, and compassion can go viral in a heartbeat. Could it travel as far? Well, if a virus can get a plane ticket, I'm sure empathy and compassion can too. What if we're immune to empathy and compassion? Well... No one is actually immune to empathy or compassion. It just takes a little practice. If we're not sure where to start, perhaps we could think back once more to our Pentecost story. Beloveds, our God speaks every language and understands every prayer, every hope, every dream, every cry of desperation. The true miracle can happen. It's actually quite reasonable, really, in light of who God is, and therefore who the Spirit of God is shaping us to become. The Spirit is blowing in and all around us, calling us to a very, not far-fetched, but reasonable compassion and passion. You want to know what the true miracle of Pentecost was, and I believe can be done once again for our world? The true miracle of Pentecost happens... Today, or will, I believe, when we truly understand each other and live in that light with empathy and compassion. May it be so. Amen.